Welcome to your area. We're here today with John Bucard. What's up, Who, Tim? How you doing? I'm doing fine and dandy, man. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming in. And uh, for those that haven't heard of John Bacard, he's the founder of Tesseract, which is... Uh, Tesseract. Tesseract. <laughs> Got to pronounce the C and the T at the like end. Stanley. Tesseract. That's right. <laughs> um, he's the founder of Tesseract, uh, which is a robotics company, which we'll get into in a bit. It's super interesting company, probably one of the most interesting, fast-growing techno companies in Kansas City right now. Uh, John's uh, uh, born and bred in Kansas City, spent some time outside of Kansas City. Yeah, I got out of KC in 1999. I didn't, I didn't think it was the right time to build a technology company then, but, uh, but I did enjoy uh, a, a unique uh, growing up here in KC. Uh, well, you went to junior high and high school, the whole bit, Blue yeah. Valley, right? Blue Valley North. Yep. Hollywood High. Right on. You know, I remember that place. They had Perrier uh, water in the drinking fountain. <laughs> 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 I remember that. It was a great place, actually. Great place to go to school. But so you tell us just real quick. I mean, we could spend all, you know, all day talking about your background. But uh, tell us, you know, you know, where you've been. Sure. I'll keep it short and sweet. So. It's interesting. Uh, in my, you know, in undergrad, I um, I went to work for this incubator in Kansas City that was uh, funded by the Kauffman Foundation as well as other various funding mechanisms. But it was an incubator that helped companies start businesses, and um, that was an interesting place because you could see how companies could start, you know, how they could attract a team, how they could build a board. And uh, I was an intern there. as one of the undergrad interns. They mostly hired MBAs back uh, then for interns. But there was a couple of us, or three of us, that got hired as a uh, undergrad interns. And that was a unique experience because you could see how companies could, uh, uh, you know, finance themselves and how they, w- how they would fold up and, you know, how they would re- recruit the team. So that was very interesting uh, for me as a young person. But then I really, I really thought that uh, for my future that it wasn't necessarily in Kansas City at that time period. It wasn't the right place in my mind in, in my early 20s to, to build a, a super high-tech company. So uh, I, I got recruited into Los Angeles to work for a very special person. His name was Stan Lee. Who's Stan Lee? Stan Lee! <laughs> he's in superhero heaven, and he's one of the greatest uh, bosses I ever had. Anyway... Uh, very special guy. So I worked for him for, uh, for, for a while, and then I decided, you know, I would start my own company, and I did that. Um, sold that company, went to work for a, another incubator in, uh, in uh, Pasadena, California called Idea Lab at a great company called Evolution Robotics, and that company was really the uh, very special company that invented uh, floor surface uh, surface care cleaning robots. It was a very unique place, Idea Lab. It was, was that much I, iRobot. No, no, it was called Evolution, but the technology ultimately was sold to iRobot. Got and, it. Uh, Got it. So anyway, the 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 reason that I thought about uh, heading back into KC was, uh, you know, two years ago, about two years ago now, was I thought it was the right time then to start an advanced technology company, and I wanted to still stick in robotics, but I didn't want to do consumer robotics. I really wanted to focus on enterprise, and I wanted to build my own bullpen, like Stanley used to say, bullpen of creatives. And it was a, you know, I, I even tried out to, to the, uh, what is that, that at, the, at the incubator now called SourceLink. It was uh, 
a sandbox. I pitched a sandbox, and uh, I was turned down uh, for the for the first pitch, twenty five thousand bucks. That's okay. But then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm I, I'm not thinking big enough. And if I shifted my mind then to think about how I could build uh, this advanced robotics and technology company and recruit the most creative people. Sometimes they can draw or sketch in 3D or electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, true strategists, the best law firm in town. Uh, we've, we've attracted those types of, uh, of uh, people and individuals, and we've, we've done a very, very good job of building an excellent group of investors. They're all local, which was the strategy in the beginning, uh, all titans, actually, and I couldn't be more honored to start the company. So actually, Tesseract is super unique. It's made up of these four studios. So it's a different kind of company, Tim, much different than what I've seen here ever before. So, so before we go into the studios, I think what's really interesting in the time we're in now with the pandemic um, and this, which is happening at the same time of this, all the, the convergence of AI and robotics and automation, and automation, all these things. Um, it's, it's become even more relevant than it was four months ago in terms of distancing, social distancing. You've created products for the construction industry I have. Uh, that, that uh, help contractors and with health, wellness, safety. Um, well, we started very, very uh, specifically to focus on health and safety. There are a lot of – there are many different types of companies that are uh, attempting to, to crack the construction vertical, but the Tesseract has a – has a unique uh, mission on how we would attack that vertical. First of all, we're leveraging internally our four studios. One of our studios is called Cyber Physical, and that's, a, that's the advanced in robotics and AI studio where we are f totally focused on um, dis disruption of a couple of different industries. One of them is construction. Um, the the reason why we created these different types of robots, they're some of them are wearable. Uh, we, we call it Prism, and social distancing was one feature that that is risen to the top, obviously because of this COVID pandemic. But it was able to shine a light on our cyber physical studio and advanced robotics because uh, timing is everything. Well, talk about the product because. Ah. Because mm -hmm. that's what people. I mean, I'm listening to this, but yeah. but what's really cool is the product. And sure, what it does uh, not only for the safety of the worker, mm -hmm. um, but also uh, how it benefits benefits the contractor. Because it's um, there is a social distancing piece of this, but it's also you know construction sites are super super dangerous, right? Yes. And you know if At somebody times, has yeah. if somebody hasn't had enough rest. Um, oh, yeah. If they're having problems, you know, um, you know, just at home or, you know, the way they're feeling that day, you know, all those things <clears throat> can affect the job site and the safety of others. So totally. talk about the product. Sure, sure. <clears throat> well, Prism is one comp – the, the Prism wearable is one component of a, of a, a system. So what – I've always been, an, uh, I've always been uh, an inventor of systems and different components of these systems would act together and they could be sold as a system or – or, uh, you know, very specific for construction. PRISM is a wearable robotic system that is managed by a unique uh, software platform called Mosaic. And uh, in the construction industry, uh, PRISM 
these prism wearable robots are actually allowing and facilitating the construction worker to go back to work in the first place. We'll start with the COVID. So we're able to um, proximity trace uh, any any worker that has our prism badge enabled. Uh, we, we know um, uh, who they are, where they are, how, how far apart they are, and are able to proximity trace the entire day at exact locations. Now, <clears throat> why is this important? Because in the safety, in safety beyond COVID, there might be dangerous areas of the construction site that that you, you would need alerts on. So we have a very unique notification system that's able to be uh, communicated to anyone that's uh, like a foreman or other types of leadership with text messaging, phone calls to service, email, a complete report of what happened during the day instantly. And so um, prison- So instead, so instead yeah. of shutting down the entire construction site and sending everybody home, that data provides the contractor with the information to know who to send out. Information of all things. That's where it's going. I think what's important about Prism is that, and Mosaic, which is a part of that system, is that we're able to we're able to uniquely pull data off of these robots, put them into Mosaic, and organize this uh, data that's um, that's being uh, transmitted from badges to anchors to from badge to badge, from uh, in a mesh to an anchoring system, back to mosaic. And we're able to analyze the, the, the past, the present, to literally predict just a hair in the future, which is this predictive analytics, which is, true, which is a piece of AI. Uh, we even built a special environment called a tesseract. The, the smart space in our office, anyway, we call it tesseract, and it's it's better than mission control, or it's uh, it's like a it's a special environment that is surrounded by screens. Kind of reminds me of for Minority Report, or to take a Marvel reference, the Danger Room, or you know Cerebro, right? For all those uh, comic book fans, but we really did build it. It's not fiction at all. We actually built no, a smart space. Oh, you've seen it I after remember. I signed your. 50-page NDA, I got a chance to see it. Well, you know, one of the secrets of, uh, of, of, of Tesseract is that we, we choose to reveal information on our own time, Tim. <laughs> so we, 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 we desire secrecy, and uh, we, we've tried to keep a lid on the business for as long as we could. I can tell you that we are gaining quite a bit of ground, tremendous traction in the business. Uh, we're hiring extremely unique scientists and inventors and makers and Truly creative people. It's so the, a pleasure to do so, by the way, locally. So one of the things that's really cool about this is all the sensors and all the technology gets put into the construction site. And after the construction is complete, yes. it stays with the building. Yes. And the occupant, owner of the building um, can use this technology and this whole system uh, to track different types of data, which I find pretty interesting. In real time. Yeah. In real time, because we we manage property. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's it's not a totally transparent business. I mean, you know, who's, you know, you don't know if the janitorial company is cleaning every night, unless Robots, the trash can. Huh? <laughs> you know, what's being dis disinfected? That's right. Um, you know, what's the air quality? Um, you Correct. Know, you know, security, all these things. Um, HVAC and the H just the movement of right. hot and cold air through a building. I mean, it's the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. So it's not based on temperature, but based on carbon dioxide. And that pretty much tells you whether there have been a lot of people in the area and whether I need to 
turn on the air conditioning to get airflow going. Correct. So, you know, it's this interesting conversation, especially with a with a with a person like you, because you you really you really do understand the 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 um, exactly what we're trying to build. You see, with this, we have an advanced R and D group called Future Lab, which is our our it's our secret lab, our our Google X in Kansas City, right? It's uh, it's I'm very proud of this, and it's it's filled with inventors and. Uh, so, uh, and software developers and engineers where we invent these platforms and can deploy them carefully. For instance, we would in, in Future Lab, we have invented a unique uh, robotic system called TESS, T-E-S-S, you know, short for Tesseract, right? And we use our own PRISM system to, to triangulate humans that have this, uh, this wearable robot. But when when the construction uh, workers leave and we leave in our prism technology, it allows the building itself to become a a robot. And it, you know what is a robot? Well, we think a we think that smart buildings of the future uh, come with robots, and it starts with uh, credentialing. It starts with the lockdown IoT network. It starts with robots that can accomplish things that humans do not desire to do. And we starting with COVID. Uh, we can send our test robot into uh, an, uh, an office of the future and, and decontaminate it because if we know exactly where the person is in the beginning with PRISM, we would already have all the building routed anyway to send a robot out to any point in space. And so we think that uh, we have something unique uh, uh, with PRISM. We've, got a tr we've gained tremendous uh, ground and a, a unique customer base. Uh, can't talk about who they are today, but you'll hear about it in the future for sure. Can I tell everybody who it is? No. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll surround you with five <laughs> robots. You might be able to kick one, but you can't kick all five, right? So, you know, there's a lot of talk about the reshoring of manufacturing mm -hmm. um, just with, um, you know, the problems that have been uncovered recently with our supply chain. Mm. Um, and it originally went overseas because of the cost of labor. Um, robotics is going to play a big part in that, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. I think, uh, especially in the automation part. I mean, if you think about the construction industry for a second, you know, uh, we're in 2020. Uh, the you know the the advent of robots in the construction space, I believe, is a huge market opportunity because um, you don't see a lot of kids these days swinging hammers on construction sites. So the automation and the efficiency that occurs in the pre-construction phase is a massive opportunity. Uh, we we are uh, narrowly focused on, on that uh, specific vertical for this year as well as military and, and soon cyber. You know, we talked about uh, the Tesseract and there's so many different applications to it. You're talking about the room. The room. Mm. <laughs> um, and we, we did talk for, at length of how it might change retail. You know, I think, I think that's a, that, that could be a huge uh, opportunity. And, you know, I've investigated... I've investigated, especially locally, on how to do something like that. I, I'll just comment on the actual Tesseract environment for a second. It's not, if I would describe it, it is um, when, you, when you enter the Tesseract, it's not a normal conference room. It's, it doesn't look like a conference room. It looks like, it looks like something, you know, from, from a space a science fiction show. Right. But we actually did build it. And the, There's a we, little snip that you can kind of get an idea on, on your that, website. Yeah, it's, your, it looks just like that, actually. Yeah. And, it, the room knows who you are. It knows if, if, if Tim and John walk in the room, the room, the Tesseract knows that you and I are in the room. Welcome, Tim. Welcome, John. And is able to 
intuitively display uh, projects that both you and I are working on. So if it comes into our field of view, the, the ability to, um, to quickly serve uh, information uh, swiftly to uh, a tech table that we've invented, to a number of different screens, which are all touch base, um, which are all touch screens, high resolution screens. We have an excellent audio system in, but we've designed it to interface with Mosaic so that we, we can instantly understand and we could pull up multiple, let's say, re, uh, multiple commercial building sites and understand the efficiency of the building itself as well as what's, what, are, what are people actually doing in the building. Vice, uh, similarly, similarly to uh, just a, a kind of a, a IoT room management of the future, we've also, we also brainstorm in the room. So the room understands um, hand gestures, uh, it, it, can, it can be used in the, in the morning when I get in at about 7 o'clock. Uh, the room changes to, to Japanese cherry blossoms everywhere and music to <laughs> focus me. It has nothing to do with, like, let's say, let's say a construction site at, at 7 a.m., but it knows when John walks in what you want, what I want, and it, it's able to, it's able to uh, intuitively, intuitively predict, which is why we call it a tesseract, uh, intuitively predict information that I would want to see, maybe market research on, on uh, individuals that we choose to, that we're going, about ready to go into a meeting with, or a, a pulls up company information so that it educates us on who we're about ready to talk to. It, it calms us down in the morning to, to invigorate us to be our best self. So it is not a regular conference room. It's something from the future yeah that, today physical you know. phys i mean this the physical construction it's it's you're surrounded by screens and yeah. then you've got a a, a table so, conference table yeah, that's a supercomputer in the middle so, it's unbelievable let's go to uh the lighter side of things okay at, sure at <laughs> all right the uh so the entertainment piece mm. that you're doing yeah which that's, um, the, that's the third studio the experiential yeah. entertainment and uh You've done, I mean, these, it's just amazing. All these really serious things go on at your studio, and then you walk over the corner and you see these amazing <laughs> toys yeah. that you've come up with. Yeah. Um, and it's a different kind of place in that studio. It is a different kind of place. But what's interesting is that, that it's not just the, the, the lighter side, but it's also a big part of the business model also. Absolutely. You know, but talk uh, first sure. about some of these cool toys. Example. First, I'll explain the studio. Um, we called it experiential entertainment. We didn't call it the toy business because it really, it, toys is one component of a, of a, you know, a, a brand initiative. So the experiential entertainment studio allows for invention in future lab, where we invent all these concepts and software and technology. Ex the experiential entertainment studio allows for invention in future lab to be strategically and narrowly licensed out. So uh, experiential entertainment is a mechanism to license our intellectual property out to entertainment companies, toy companies, uh, studios, and the like. And, and that, that business is completely changing. And so we believe that by having the studio and having the, the super creatives part of it that can invent new types of play patterns and some, some part of it is, uh, let's say, toy development. But the biggest part is, is it is a mechanism to license out our intellectual property very narrowly in the entertainment sector and, it, and allows us a, a creative outlet to, 
to dream. Uh, and it's a, it's a great place. Uh, we, we call that experiential entertainment or EE. Uh, big news from EE coming soon. What? Why don't we release it now, John? <laughs> well, listen. If you if you want to see a little bit about, uh, we have we have many things coming, but uh, mo- most of our most of our technology and um, out of, of out of EE Studio is all licensed technology, and uh, we are we are, we are grateful for our relationships with the companies that we do, we do business with. I'd like a que- I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, do you see the value of a tesseract for let's say a property management company? You know, I think I think it's a it'd be a unique if we were able to set up tesseracts in KC. You're you're a, you're a real estate guy. What do yeah. you think of a smart space like that for a for a, a building of the future? You've been doing a, your your company's been in in the, the news lately too, doing all kinds of development in KC. What do you think about a tesseract for an uh, a, an office building of the future? I definitely I think there's definitely definite relevance to, uh, especially in new construction, yeah. because it can be financed into the into the entire project. Design building. Retrofitting existing buildings is going to be difficult, but new buildings, it can be financed into the core and shell of the building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as we move forward, I think new construction uh, is going to be favored over old construction just because the systems are, are uh, newer, cleaner, has the latest technology. Um, people are, are going to want, uh, are, you know, and we've had a couple of sessions with architects uh, at this table before talking about wellness and uh, in the workplace. And it's always, you know, anytime a tenant starts to design a space, the wellness thing that the architects are talking about always gets VC'd out of it because it's, you know, it's just kind of not, not important to the business. Now, the health and wellness of your employees is paramount, mm. number one. So if that's true, then the building has to respond to that. And I agree. so in, uh, I think people, tenants, uh, are going to require more transparency from their landlord. You know, what is the air quality? Oh. Well, we could get a, a set of, you know, 15 technicians in here for three days. We can test the air quality. Or we can build a building with the sensors in place, and we can be transparent about that. If there's a mold problem, if there's a CO2 problem, if, you know, all these things should be transparent. We're in a transparent world today. So I, you know, couldn't, is, I couldn't have explained it better myself, brother. So is your space getting cleaned at night? Where did they clean? Security, you know, all these things. Um, and when you look at the, at the total cost of this technology being incorporated into the building, you know, it's a fraction of the total cost of the building. And I think uh, tenants will respond to that. And I, I think agree, tenants man. will pay more money for it uh, because you're moving beyond just leasing space and paying the bills. Hmm. That's interesting. I'd be, uh, I, I, you know, I've been thinking about these types of uh, opportunities lately too. Have you talked to Kevin McGinnis on yeah. the Innovation District? Oh yeah, I we, mean, we've been working with him for a year on this. This, he's, this he's, guy, this guy's an OG. This he's a, he's a very special guy. I mean, I'd love to put a tesseract in the innovation district. Um, you know, it's a it's a very unique opportunity, and uh, and you know, but we should continue to talk about that in the future. Yeah, absolutely. For what you're doing, so absolutely. You know, um, being uh, at your lab and seeing the really all these amazingly creative, smart people. Why do they come to work for you? Mm, why? Why don't they go to work for Garmin or or Cerner? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's, what's the attraction? You know, it's interesting. That's a great question. I think um, in starting Tesseract, it was, the, it was designed from the beginning and a, 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 to build a very unique culture and to, be, to, to also have a place where people could, a, a place that people could come to uh, that even, even the lighting and the design inside where they actually have the tools to be creative is super important. So I learned that by working uh, with uh, in, in many different incubators to see how different cultures were formed and how companies would start. And it starts with the culture and the to be a magnetic uh, or a, a magnetic person that can attract those types of per, uh, th- those types of people is very important for me. And uh, we, we have to be super selective, especially uh, now. And, and uh, Tesseract's in the, in the stage of uh, a massive scaling event. So we have to be very careful on who we pick. And so we, we have defined a, a very unique culture on how we operate and how we are, you know, we, we're inventors. So we take intellectual property very seriously. We, we, we invent our own ideas. Uh, we and we attempt to find the right people, and you know it. Not it doesn't work 100% of the time. I mean, we have we have over 20. You know, what are we at now? 23, 24 people. Uh, you know, and and you know, going through and hiring and being a the, the, you know a key selector of the, these type of talent. Kansas City is very important. Not everybody works out. So, uh, but most of them have. I mean, we we have a. We have a, a, a super a super group. It's like a, it's like the Avengers, man. Yeah, Avengers assemble at the Tesseract. Culture is super important, and you know you gotta be you gotta be face to face to create that culture. That's right. Um, and that's why it's even more important to create. Uh, is the design of your office and the health and wellness of your employees because you can't innovate through being on a Zoom call. No, no, this right? Zoom fatigue. Yeah, I mean it's like. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to be. I'm actually happy to see. We're on. We're on audio, but I'm actually actually happy to see you. We're actually on video. Oh, we on video too. Perfect. So, (laughs) last question, and we didn't discuss this, but there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence, and Mm -hmm. people naturally are afraid of it, right? Yeah. Um, They just don't. They don't know. They don't. They don't understand it. Right. All kinds of news out there about what AI is. So, for uh, AI for dummies, what is AI, and why should we not be afraid of it? AI is a AI is, can be it requires organization of information in the very beginning. So, from a data scientist level, you have to have these extremely intelligent people be able to write code and create complicated uh, math and algorithms to even organize the information that's coming into an AI system in the first place. So it starts with organization of a massive amount of information. I, uh, I'm, I'll give you a perfect example. I, you know, I, was, I, was, um, I was the EIR at FishTech with Gary Fish and, uh, and Sideris with uh, Eric Foster, a great company. I couldn't speak, highly, I couldn't speak more highly of uh, my time at uh, FishTech and Sideris. Uh, seven months. To, to be, they, they're working on the, in the cyber division to be able to, uh, and this is, you know, this is something very special, to organize information uh, in a very unique way. Uh, and so those types of um, creatives and people and software to organize the information in the first place is the first step to, to, 
the, the AI component. And then what we're working on is a little bit different from an AI perspective. We're, we're, we're peeling data off of machines, organizing it, and then for the, the most important part is how do you visualize data to give a human being uh, insight? We call, them ins call it insight, right? To, for a human being to make decisions with like a, I wouldn't say a robot, it'd be like a cobot. And it might not be a mechanical robot, I'm talking about like a, a system, right? So Tesseract, the, the smart space, Mosaic, the software, other robots, uh, wearables or tests, uh, that's part of an overall system. But the true invention, I think, um, the unique thing that we're doing as it relates to AI is to serve and visualize information where a human being can make strategic and core decisions and then be able to bundle up the entire session and archive it, share it, uh, analyze it, and make decisions. So, so you're, what you're saying is AI allows you to I make mean, technology more human. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, absolutely. It's in fact, that's so that like, I can, so that I can, I can use that. There's nothing more human than technology, right. which is right. We have that etched on our, in our lobby, actually. There's nothing more human than technology. But so our, our, my view of AI is much different than others. Of course, you know, in the movies, it's like, oh my God, I'm so scared. <laughs> but, but I think but what, the way we're approaching it is using AI as a kind of a, a, a cobot assistant to be able to serve information. It's not, an, it's not necessarily on a 2D screen. The interface of the future will not be just on a laptop or phone. It'll be more, more spatial. And we, we, wrote our, we wrote a new MVP on top of Oculus that would allow you to send an Oculus to somebody, a VR uh, Oculus, and have them remote into the Tesseract so we can see this, the information at the same time and share groups of information that's credential to me or you. Some people, they don't have access to it. They don't see that. But in, in VR, uh, we, we, we could send a VR mask to somebody in, in Haiti, and they could participate in a meeting inside the Tesseract environment in real time. So we, we, we have a different perspective on robotics and, and AI, which is why we called that studio cyber-physical. And uh, look. It sounds like the name of a song. <laughs> we should write a song why not? cyber-physical. Why not? Then we'll have the robot sing it in the office. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this has been fantastic. I'm happy uh, to be here. Happy to see you again, Tim. Yeah, it was really great. And uh, really appreciate you stopping by. Happy to be here and look forward to next time. All right. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.